in the UK where the weather's horrible most of the year, on an overcast day, when there's a lot of clouds out there, still a lot of UV light which has been emitted, which can contribute towards cataracts or things like penguiculi, which is yellow structures on the front of the eye, which happen, you know, in our fourth, fifth or sixth decade of life. Hi friends, in today's episode, I'm sitting down with Dhruvan Patel, who's an optometrist and also the founder of OcuShield. Uh, you may have seen him on Dragon's Den. He's also been featured in Forbes and USA Today. And his company, OcuShield, recently won a King's Award. And he knows a lot about eye health, which is why I wanted to get him on the show, because it's something that I think we just so easily take for granted. And many of us are not as aware as perhaps we should be about how the things we're doing on a daily basis may be damaging our eyes. And these problems can start to show from our 40s onwards. And one of those things is actually the blue light that's coming in from our screens. Many of us spend long hours at computers each day, and we might not be thinking about the effect that it's having on our eye health and also our skin health. And so I now have OcuShield um, screen protectors on both of my screens that I use. I have one on my phone and I have to say it's really helped to reduce eye strain, um, just having less blue light coming in. But the long-term effects of having that blue light exposure are quite profound and you're going to be hearing all about that today. So without further delay, let me introduce you now to Dhruvan Patel. So I'm really thrilled to have you here today, Dhruvan, because I haven't had anyone yet on the show talking specifically about eye health and how to look after it. Uh, and I'm really thrilled to be able to kind of dive into the detail with you. First of all, a very warm welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's uh, fantastic to be here. Yeah, it's really cool to have you here. Uh, it's been a long time coming. I think it took us a while actually to get this in, in the calendar. It did indeed. Um, it did. First of all, um, obviously you you founded OcuShield. Um, and you're really committed to enhancing people's eye health. And I know you're kind of launching new products this year and even the ability for people to kind of self-test their eyes, which, which is amazing. How did you get into this area initially? So um, I set out to study to become an optometrist in 2013. And one of the reasons I did it was because I loved uh, one, I loved biology. And second, I loved working with people and helping people. And in the UK, we have an optician chain known as Specsavers. And I did some shadowing of an optometrist. And, you know, I really enjoyed my time when I was working, uh, supporting the optometrist, but mainly shadowing. And I, I learned about how, you know, children or even adults can go away and they put on glasses and they just feel like, wow, I can see, you know, it was such an incredible thing to give. Um, so that's how I got involved in the profession because I really wanted to make an impact to help people, but also I had an interest in biology and um, optometry was one of those subjects which I learned where you can also get into entrepreneurship quite um, easily compared to other professions. And what I mean by that is opticians can open their own optical stores to provide glasses and sell products in that sense. And I always had a bone in me which wanted to do something for myself. And I always envisioned myself having my own kind of clinic or something like that. So that really, um, you know, kind of um, stood out for me. And that's why I wanted to go into the optometry landscape. Awesome. Um, in terms of looking at people's, like the health of their eyes, I think I've been definitely, we were talking offline earlier, uh, and that I think was the thing that inspired you to help people to be able to self-test is busy people don't get their eyes checked often enough. And obviously they're 
really fundamental and say um, a lot about our health as well. Um, what are the key things to, to begin with that you think we need to be doing to really look after our eye health? Yeah, so first and foremost is making sure you're getting them tested. Um, I think we, you know, we are under the assumption that if we can see, then our vision is good. But, you know, a good way to think about it is actually we have a binocular vision system. So when both our eyes are open, we we sometimes feel, OK, we can see very well. But actually, if you have a weaker eye, um, because both eyes are open, they're going to be working together and it will actually mask any potential issues that you have with one of your eyes. And if you do have a weaker eye, that means your other eye is going to be working harder. And therefore, you might be getting those might be getting that eye strain, that headaches towards the end of the day. And it might be because of something wrong. But if you're not getting your eyes tested to find out if there is something weaker in your visual system, then you're not going to know what to do about it. So I think first and foremost is making sure you can get your eyes tested. And in the UK, it's every two years you should do that um, just to you know have a look. And you can pick up things like melanomas and tumors in the eye as well. And you know, diabetes can be picked up as well. So there's a lot of things that from your general health as well that that might show up in an eye exam. And for children, would it be, it's generally more often than that, right? To pick up any kind of problems that they might have with their sight. Yeah, definitely. And before, you know, before the age of eight, um, you know, it's, I, I believe it's their key period um, of development in the eyes. You know, if someone, if, if a child has a lazy eye or a squint, it's very difficult to, fix or try to support that child as they get older because once again the eyes develop and become their um kind of fuller selves by the towards the teenage teenage years it's more difficult for any expert or healthcare profession to support that child so definitely for children it's every 12 months generally but some children are on recalls of six months if there's something identified or there's a family history of a, a squint or if the parents have you know they're, they're myopic so they both wear glasses and you know they're more at risk To optimise my sleep each night, there are two things that I do that are my non-negotiables. The first is to get outside and get early access to morning light. And the second one is to block blue light in the evening with blue light blocking glasses. And the best lenses I found are those by Bon Charge. They don't let any of that sneaky light come in underneath the lens, which I used to find really annoying when I was reading my Kindle and things like that. These lenses block all the blue light and they're super high quality. And the great thing is they look really stylish too. On Charge's glasses are made in optics laboratories in Australia. They're not mass produced in factories in Asia. And they have science-backed technology that's been tested to ensure they work. And as I say, they have dramatically improved my sleep. I'm sleeping longer, deeper, and I'm feeling refreshed the next morning. And the cool thing about their glasses is they come in non-prescription, prescription and reading options. They also have glasses for every need, including computer glasses to help with digital eye strain, light sensitivity glasses for helping with low mood and migraines, and the blue light blocking glasses that I'm using for improving sleep. They also have other amazing products such as blue, low blue light bulbs, red light therapy devices, EMF 5G protection. I have that on my mobile phone. I have that on my kids' mobile phones. And I also wear their uh, Bond Charges EMF blocking bracelet and their 100% blackout sleep masks, all backed by science. And Bond Charge ship worldwide in rapid time with easy returns and exchanges. 
you can save a cool 20% off any of their products in their range. Simply go to bondcharge.com forward slash Angela and use coupon code Angela to save 20%. That's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E dot com slash Angela and use coupon code Angela to save yourself 20%. It's interesting actually that you say that because I noticed a, a deterioration in my own eyesight uh, when I was hit when I hit the teenage years and my mine are not great I wear contact lenses <laughs> I got a kind of minus five prescription and so my expect and my husband's a bit short-sighted but my expectation was my children would then because of the two of us they would develop short-sightedness and so far that hasn't shown to be the case I think my eldest he's, he's 15 just a really little tiny bit that almost never wears them what is impacting that what determines whether or not we do become short-sighted yeah, so there is an element of family history there and touch wood, your children, uh, you know, go on longer without having the need of glasses. Um, so you've got the element of family history. You've also got the element of nurture. So as we grow up, what has been um, the child surrounding? So there's a lot of research that actually shows that um, at the moment, if children are spending a lot of time indoors and not outdoors, they're more likely to have short-sighted, short-sightedness, aka myopia. And that's because when children look at something at a near point, let's say a screen, for example, or, or a book, or, or they're drawing all the time, if, they, if the visual system doesn't have the ability to look at infinity, which is basically something far away, right, where your eyes are, are no longer looking inwards, they're looking kind of straight ahead. Um, the visual system really does not like that, and it, it changes the, the makeup of your cornea, and it actually makes the child more likely to have myopia and therefore need glasses to see far away so there's that element of the nurture side of things that is at the moment causing a significant change in the the makeup of children and the requirements of glasses we're seeing you know massive increases in children needed glasses for to see far away because of the change in habits of of close-up work interesting so my kids like playing a lot of sport is probably to their advantage in terms of their eye health not just their physical fitness Definitely. So the more more they can be outside, you're definitely going to be having a lot more less um, likelihood of myopia. Interesting. And what about the fact that one of the things I'm noticing, just sticking with children for a moment, is schools. They seem to, certainly in the private schools, you know, when we've been looking around senior schools, they pride themselves on the fact that they have all this technology, that the kids have iPads or laptops and they're utilising those. That sort of concerns me. Uh, and I know that you're obviously concerned from a blue light perspective. Um, what are your thoughts around that and what can we do to protect the developing eye? Yeah, and it's a, re- it's a real challenge because I understand why, why schools are doing this. You know, technology is, is an enabler. It can help us learn faster um, and learn in our own time as well in that way. But you're right. Um, the main concerns around it is how many hours are we ut- using these screens um, a day and if you look at the data uh, on average children are now using screens upwards of six hours whether it's for learning or leisure activities which is a lot and um, you know the concerns that come with that is not just yes it's going to affect the visual system because of blue light it causes increased stress on the visual system so children can suffer from tie dry or itchy eyes from that but also as we're now using these devices in the evening 
the blue light's also suppressing melatonin, which makes it harder for the child to fall asleep. And, you know, the last thing parents want is their children not being able to sleep because that's just going to cause a problem, not just for them, but also the parents because they, you know, they're not one, they're having an irritable mood the next day, for example, as well, because they're not sleeping well, or the development's not in the right way. Um, but apart from the eyes and the sleep factor, um, it's that element of children are getting too used to having the unlimited ability to have dopamine coming into their bodies because when they're using screens and they're on social media or they're they're learning something about it there's this a dopamine release that's happening in, in our bodies and brains which is almost rewarding children for doing those actions and then when they they go back to analog setting you know maybe picking up a book or doing something that doesn't involve technology there's research that shows there's less of dopamine being released in the body so they're actually feeling less rewarded so they're almost like a drug feeling that they should be you know using a device or you know they're not living life as they should be because they're so used to it so that's that's also something that's really concerning and developing with our kind of current times of the digital age it's concerning isn't it i noticed that i mean and also when you look at like the research around the different forms of dopamine and how um intrinsic dopamine if you stimulate it through sort of hard effort it's going to last you a lot longer whereas if you get effectively cheap forms of dopamine from social media for example you need those continual hits right and and just like adults many teenagers I think the first thing they do are looking at their phone right to see is there a message for my phone even even just getting a message it doesn't have to be social media right that's stimulating dopamine because you've just heard from someone yeah exactly yeah. exactly it could just it's that any interaction that's coming from from that social media for example as you said it's creating that dopamine release and I always say when when we wake up that that first hour that when we wake it is almost that holy hour where we shouldn't be picking up screens or things that can influence our mind state because it's you know when the mind goes into the alpha wave state where we're more susceptible to how our day is going to be um, impacted from our thoughts and our processes so as soon as you know if at the moment children are using their phone as an alarm clock it's a big no-no for me I always advocate get something else as your alarm clock, you know, use a manual alarm clock, keep phones out the bedroom, because again, you're wiring, you're creating the structure for the child where as soon as they wake up and as soon as they go to bed, the last thing they interact with is their phone. And again, it's that again, dopamine release, you know, turning off the alarm, et cetera. So um, yeah, good habits and sleep hygiene is really important. Really important. What are your own habits then around when you're looking at like sort of your own routine in terms of protecting your eye health, protecting against things like this. What sort of boundaries do you do you advocate? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm the same as you. I, I think the first hour when you learn to protect that is just magical. And also just the inroads that you can make in your own success are dramatically different when you're intentional. Um, but I'm really curious, what do you what do you do? What are the like non-negotiables for you from a, a health perspective, morning and evening, or even things that you eat, for example, that are nutrient providing for your eye health or your brain? Yeah, so, you know, one big thing for me is, um, I touched on it just now, sleep hygiene is in the bedroom, you know, there's only two things that I I, I, I support, which is sleeping or, or having sex, you know, that you shouldn't be doing anything else in the bedroom because that's your holy space for you to fall asleep and have well-rested sleep. And again, if you change, if you're watching TV or doing anything else in the bed bedroom, you are changing how that 
how your body's getting used to, you know, where you're going to sleep. So I think that that's really important for me. And, you know, me and my pa- my partner probably hates me for this, but I'm always kind of chipping away saying, right, we need to, you know, keep our devices out of the bedroom. And even though, you know, a lot of people like to go on their devices because it gives them uh, a sense of numbing, you know, something where they can just relax and not do anything. It's just like watching TV, right? Um, but also key things that I do during the day is um, to look after my eyes especially is um, whenever I'm using devices there's two things that we can all do immediately which is one is the proximity of a device is make sure that it's at least an arm's length away from your eyes because distance is a is a is a really important factor in the impact of how screens or technology are impacting your visual system so the further away they are the better which is a good thing second so arm's length right yeah, so, so effectively when you're looking at your phone, you're sort of holding it out in front of you. Yeah, so a phone is, is, is a lot more difficult. Yeah. Um, uh, definitely with laptops and monitors at arm length, but a phone, you know, you can hold it at uh, arm's length away, but you probably look silly, but, and it's quite difficult to keep your, your arm. You don't have, I was just great. thinking I was strong yeah. arms. So she, <laughs> the, the iPhone Pro Max is really heavy. I was just like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's almost like a little workout. Um, yeah, I you know, smartphones are really difficult to keep keep up with that rule um but i i i try to stay off my smartphone as much as possible and i use my laptop and monitors where possible so yeah make sure you know just do a quick check every time you're at your desk or working arms length away from your laptop and monitors um the second element is brightness of your screen so i always turn down the brightness of screens as well um, because again that reduces the lux that reduces the intensity of the light source because again you're looking at a direct light source which um you know is is emitting a lot of uh, light energy, which again, your visual system has a decipher, breakdown, and then send a visual uh, process that the information and then create an image for your brain. So if you can reduce the input that's coming through your eyes, then you're gonna be also reduce the heavy lifting the visual system has to do. Um, so those are two key tips that I, I, I practice daily. And then the other one is uh, the 20-20-20 rule, which is just simple. I, I, I have adopted this slightly, but in general, it's every 20 minutes, look away for 20 seconds, 20 feet away or, or down the window or down the corridor, right? Uh, because what that does, it refreshes your visual system and your visual system needs that. Because I mentioned earlier, there's a bit of a growth of children needing glasses because they just keep staring at things close up. It's because their visual system isn't having that break and therefore the cornea is changing and causing them to have short sightedness. So. I've adopted it because 20 minutes for me is not realistic. So I do the 45, 20, 20 rule. So that's every 45 minutes I, uh, you know, have a break. So that works for me because 20 minutes can be disruptive if you're trying to work hard and get into deep flow state. Yeah, for sure. Would you like a snapshot of where you are in your health journey right now with personalised advice from me on how to improve? Go to yourtotohealthcheck.com and take my 60-second biohacking quiz and I will send you your free health score and personalized report with recommendations on each area of my SHIFT protocol for health optimization. SHIFT contains the five key pillars you need to focus on for optimal health. Sleep, hormones, insights to track, how to fuel your body with the right nutrition, light, hydration and breathwork, and training for your body and mind. Go to yourtotalhealthcheck.com to find out your score in each area and get personalized recommendations from me on how to improve. It takes less than 60 seconds and you can take the quiz as many times as you want to and track your improvement by following my guidance. Simply go to yourtotalhealthcheck.com to get started.
And what about then um, in terms of like the the changes that are happening? Obviously, like you, you've described, they, those, in my experience, then they can only be reversed by something like laser surgery. How safe is that? I know quite a few people have that for short sightedness. Yeah, so laser, um, look, it's a great, it's a great new technology that can help bring people the ability to see um you know in in most cases laser is a very successful form of visual correction um but there are some risks and dangers which are talked about when people you know look for laser um you know procedures the main risk for laser is dry eye syndrome and a lot of people that go and have laser correction because the way it works is it's sending a laser to the anterior part of the eye to so the cornea and what, you, what happens is the structures get disrupted and your eyes end up becoming very dry for some people. Now, what that means is some of these people then continuously have to use eye drops every day for the rest of their life, which is quite a new phenomenon. Um, you know, you don't want to really be doing that if you've never done it before. But unfortunately, some people end up doing that. And um, some people also uh, can lose their visions for s- small amounts of time was, again, the the eyes, when they're, when they're dry, um, they're not lubricated. And what happens is, um, if you imagine a clear window, it frosts over, it becomes a bit cloudy. Um, but when your eyes aren't dry, you have the, the nice process of your eyes becoming, the window being nice and clear, so you can see. So, you know, there are edge cases of people that suffer from these types of problems. So um, how, overall, it is a good process to have if you want to be a, visual correction but it does come with some risks mm, like all surgery i guess mm. um in terms of like looking now at how can we protect the health of our eyes um particularly from a sort of longevity perspective um what are the key things that we need to be thinking about obviously you've mentioned things like looking away from screens minimizing the blue light um, as much as possible. I want to come back to blue light in a moment, but if we're looking at from sort of a nutritional perspective, um, I know like blood glucose, you mentioned there, you know, you can see from an eye test, um, things like diabetes. I think um, my understanding is that things like um, poor blood glucose control can actually enhance your risk factor for things like cataracts as well. Mm. Um, can you explain some of those things that people need to think about from a longevity perspective? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think one of the things that definitely gets not appreciated as, as it should is just UV protection. Um, you know, even even in the UK where the weather is horrible most of the year, on an overcast day, when there's a lot of clouds out, there's still a lot of UV light which has been emitted, which can contribute towards cataracts or things like penguiculi, which is yellow structures on the front of the eye, which happen, you know, in our fourth, fifth or sixth decade of life. But this is generally happens because when we're younger as children, we haven't been wearing sunglasses outdoors. Um, and we do need to think about making sure our children can wear sunglasses, but also us as adults is we should always wear UV protection because that's going to protect the eyes from any um, long-term damage in that sense. Um, and then on the other side, in terms of nutrition, to fortify your natural defense against UV or blue light, um, having green vegetables in your diet is really important. Um, you know, with, with green vegetables like spinach, kale, um, what you're going to be getting is lutein and zeaxanthin, which are properties which, as I mentioned, um, strengthen the area in the retina and the macula, which help 
being your natural defense at filtering out that harmful UV and blue light. And a lot of people, especially in this day and age, we're eating more processed foods, we're eating, we're not eating whole foods or uh, vegetables in that sense. And there's just less and less of that in our diet. And unfortunately, the eye is going to um, suffer from that in the long term. So do do at least get a handful of, you know, your green uh, a spinach a day, for example, or kale and get that into your diet. And that's going to really help. The other nutritional side of things is also your omega threes, omega threes and sixes. Uh, what they do is they lubricate your eye because these are the oils that are produced by your glands in the eyes. So eating things like fish can definitely help. Um, but if you're vegetarian or vegan like myself, um, there's algae oil now, which you can also have in capsules and supplement form, which can also help instead of having to eat fish. Um, so those will be my kind of two takeaways when it comes to the nutrition side is green vegetables and omegas. They will look after 90% of the eye when it comes to um, maintenance of vision and the eyes. Interesting. And the omega-3s have um, like DHA is, is good for eye health, right? And also for the brain. Yes, it is yeah. indeed. It helps both. And, you know, we've got to remember the, the visual pathway, the eyes, they're connected to the brain. You know, the, actually the eye extends right into the brain itself. Um, so it's more connected than a lot more people think. Yeah. And what exactly are cataracts? So cataracts, um, it's a structure. So if we imagine uh, going back to our window example, we have a lens in the eye that sits behind the pupil, which is the black part of the eye in the middle. And um, this structure uh, allows light through. But as we as we get older, this structure starts to become a little bit more dirtier. It starts to become a bit more thicker, starts to have some color within it. So again, if you imagine a clear window, it's going darker. It's going a bit murky. Um, and as we age, this process happens and it stops light entering the eye. So that's why as we get older, people say, right, I'm going to get my cataracts removed. It's because the cataract has got thick and it's also become so um dirty that it needs to be removed but it's not letting any light through so therefore we can't process any visual information and send any images um, to the brain in that sense so a cataract is the lens a defect in the lens which needs to be removed and what happens when there's a surgery is that's replaced by a clear window a clear lens which hasn't got any of those thickness or or mugginess of of what's happened due to your natural exposure in life Interesting. And so would you start to notice this if, for example, you're finding when you're driving, your night vision isn't quite as good as it used to be? Would that be a sign of that? Or Yeah, so signs of cataracts are definitely um, glare. So if you're, if, you're, if you're driving at night and you're, you're noting extreme glare from driving, it's definitely a sign that your cataracts has progressed and you might need to do something about it. Um, so that's one to watch out for. And definitely it's a lot harder now as well because these new new cars have such bright LED headlights that, you know, even for someone that doesn't have cataracts, it's quite difficult to drive when, you know, you're driving at night. So, um, you know, I feel for people that have cataracts and drive at night with all these new cars on the roads. I'm glad you said that because <laughs> I was thinking, I really hate the bright lights and why is that? And is it, I'm getting older, but now you've kind of <laughs> qualified it and said, well, maybe actually it's the LEDs that makes me feel slightly better, but it is a, you're absolutely right. Like particularly when you're on a kind of country lane, right? Where I live out in the countryside and you've got the people got their full beams on. It's uh, yeah, it's, it, it can be quite difficult, can't it driving? Especially when they forget to turn them off. Um, 
So, yeah, um, with uh, just kind of going back now to looking at like the filters and things, because I've had a having sort of tested your products and put the filters on my screen and also tried the glasses from when I'm looking at an unfiltered screen. I just noticed that I feel less tense, right? It just seems to take the edge off. It's really nice. It's not, uh, we were talking offline, it's not like a, a blue light blocking lens where there is changing the color, right? So you can still enjoy what you're doing, but it just takes the edge off that blue, which is really, really nice. It's kind of quite relaxing, but it's also beneficial. With the screen protectors, you and I were chatting about the fact that this can also cause, it's not just the eye we need to be thinking about, but actually damage to the skin. Uh, can you kind of go into that a little bit? Yeah, certainly. So it's quite interesting. The skin element has definitely grown in the last two or three years. And it started with Unilever. They, they did some research and they looked at how um, an individual's skin was impacted um, after 40 hours of use um, of a screen. It was comparable to being on a beach for 20 minutes um, with no, no sunscreen, you know, blue skies and direct sunlight, um, which, which is quite a lot of UV and blue light, right? And what they showed was that people that were using screens for this amount of time, they found that there was a deterioration in their skin because it was increasing the inflammation of the skin, which was causing breakdown of the collagen of the, of the skin itself, and therefore accelerating in the aging process of the skin so with when this study came out two or three years ago i mean this is when the skin side of things started to really pick up so now you're finding that actually a lot of skincare companies are including blue light protection as well as uv protection and that's by um you know putting in things like iron oxide into their creams to um, absorb that blue light element as well but it's something that's definitely progressing but the early signs are that you know, also limiting the exposure from blue light can help with the skin as well. And especially if you think about how we use our devices, they're not pointing at the rest of our body, they're pointing at our face. And that's the, that's the point we care about. You know, when it comes to skin, mm -hmm. we want to all look youthful and look our best. But if we're using screens and that, you know, co contributes and emits blue light, then it's also our face that, and the skin that on, the, on the face that's going to be impacted. So actually we're putting a kind of filter on the screen itself is a good way to minimize that. Exactly. You know, with, with the products we make at Ocashield, we filter out that harmful blue light. So it's reducing the impact of that blue light on your screen. And again, going back to my tips, if you also increase the proximity and you also decrease the brightness, you're again going to be reducing the impact as well. So it's about thinking about the things that can also help reduce that net impact. And what about like um, in terms of I'll often say to, to clients and, and program members for circadian alignment, actually getting some blue light early in the morning is really important and going out. A lot of firehackers talk about, you know, going out and looking at the sun. My understanding is we need to be very careful with looking directly at the sun. But what are the limits in terms of what we can look at comfortably, but also safely in terms of sun exposure and when the sun is at different kind of low solar angles, because I know that has a quite a profound impact on circadian rhythm. Yeah, and, and I'm a big advocate of making sure you get natural light into your system um, upon waking, you know, the first few hours. Um, definitely, if you're in a country where the sun has already risen, you know, get out there um, and make sure you get that natural light in because it does, it does set your circadian rhythm in play, you know, it reduces um it reduces the amount of sleep hormone in your body melatonin and increases the amount of cortisol um was your body now knows it's uh, the daytime um so it's definitely worth doing and you know 
definitely don't look at the sun directly. Um, so if anyone's doing that, please don't, because you'll burn a hole in your, your retina. That is not worth it, um, believe me. Um, Even at sunset? Yes, don't, don't you know, at sunset, um, I, I, I'd always avoid, I'd always proceed with caution because, you know, when truly is, is, is sunset, you know, is it, is it a time where the sun is, is just gone below uh, where you can't see it or is it when it's already started to set and there's quite a you know there's an in-between period there where there is risk of how that light might be impacting your eyes um, so I always say it's best to avoid looking directly at the the sun where possible you're going to be you know you, you are better off looking at a sun when it's sun setting rather than in peak peak position you know midday but I always proceed with caution there um, because it's just general best practice when you're when you're talking about the eyes interesting and um what about some people um have asked me in anticipation of this interview I have a couple of questions uh is um what about when you feel when you've been looking at a screen and you might have covered this actually by that 2020 rule looking away where you feel a buildup of pressure in the eye some people will experience um redness in their eyes when they've been st uh, staring at a screen is that something that's concerning is it is it causing potential long-term damage what's happening there yeah, there's um, it, it's mainly short term um, implications there. And if you imagine, just like when we go to the gym, we have muscles which work. You know, when we're doing an exercise, they become tired, and you need a rest to kind of replenish them or go again. It's the same thing with our visual system. If we're looking at screens for a certain period of time, and you're not giving your visual system a break, um, especially if the let's say the weight in this scenario is a high intensity bright led screen um especially when it's so high your visual system's having to um you know absorb all of that and then send the correct information to the brain but if you're not giving it the right breaks then you're just going to continue suffering from tired eyes in that moment but also the long-term effect on the day is you usually get to the end of the day and then you find well you know my I feel really exhausted because you've put up with that short-term stress, but then afterwards your body's kind of like, right, it then really feels it. So you have to put in that during the day, the right process in the place to make sure that you're not having that experience. And I know a lot of people at the moment, they suffer from this. You know, some people take painkillers to, to make these pain, this pain go away, et cetera. But it's just, we need to just be conscious of how we're interacting with devices and the way we're working. Yeah. Goodness me, I guess we definitely need to reduce time rather than take painkillers, right? That's quite yeah. slightly concerning. Um, what about in the situation where someone's had a concussion? That, again, is something that's really common for kids. Obviously, it's not ideal uh, in terms of the damage that concussions can do and the impacts on the brain later in life. From an eye perspective, sometimes uh, when they're kind of recovering from a concussion, it's difficult to learn, it's difficult to focus. Is there anything that you would recommend there? Yeah, you know, with, with concussions, it, it's quite difficult because, um, you know, the brain's still trying to find, you know, get back to its normal self. So I always, I always suggest, you know, keeping it really simple, doing things that the visual system is not going to be feeling a greater workload on. So again, being outdoors, being, you know, looking at infinity, as I like to call it, further away means that the eyes are going to be in a relaxed state, um, less bright lights um in in the surroundings as well and you know with screens i i i'd avoid them if someone has a concussion if i'm honest um because 
it's just not going to be serving the recovery well um because we know from research that the eyes and the brain the visual pathway it just doesn't like extra stimulus especially when the brain's trying to remodel itself back to its normal self after a trauma accident where someone's suffering from concussion so just keep it really simple um, avoid screens look at infinity do things which are um, in a relaxed state to help that individual get back to their norm back to their normal self yeah as quickly as they can um red light therapy is a really common uh thing among among the biohacking community it's something i i like myself um I hear varying answers in terms of whether you can look directly at the lights or whether you should be wearing uh, a lens when you're looking at red light therapy devices. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, so um, with red light therapy, um, there's a lot of research that's coming out, which is showing there's some benefits uh, from red light therapy to various structures. I think when it comes to eyes, um, yes, you can look at red light. It's definitely not like blue light in the sense of how blue light is harmful for the eyes. But again, the intensity of the light source is really important. You can have any color light, but if the intensity of the light source is very high, you are again, you know, going to have a detrimental effect to your eyes. So it, it really depends on what light source you have in front of you and the brightness of it. Um, if it feel, if you've got a light source in front of you and you're, you're squinting or you're feeling like, um, you know, you want to shut your eyes, that's a, a sign for you to know that actually this light source is too bright and you need to turn it down. Um, and that's when I'd encourage, actually, if you want to keep at that level, I'd encourage wearing some form of eye protection to make sure that that light stimulus isn't impacting your visual system in a negative way. Hmm. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I've heard it's in some respects, sometimes it can enhance uh, eye health. But do you think it's then down to the distance that you are from that light? Yeah, yeah. It's always about proximity and brightness of, of the light source whenever we're talking about these things. And, you know, you want you can get very scientific with this and try to calculate the amount of lux and the distance. And But I, I imagine most people aren't going to be doing this when they're carrying out, you know, their day-to-day because everyone's so busy and they don't have the capacity to do that. So um, it's always proceeding with caution in that sense. And what about migraines? I know a lot of people suffer with that. Um, are there any tips if there, there are people listening who have who suffer with migraines that you think from an eye perspective, vision, anything that they're doing that you found can really help to either alleviate or, or even better prevent? Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting was migraines are quite linked. You know, migraines, again, is they're similar to headaches, but they're, they're really less understood than headaches. Because there's so many things that that can set them off. And as you, as you know, as a nutritionist, you know that there's things in your diet that can set off migraines, that the way you work, the way you live um, can also impact migraines. But I think from an eye care perspective, um, all of the guidance that I've said before when it comes to blue light and making sure um, you have the correct etiquette to look after your eyes, it all plays into reducing the um, chances of a migraine. Because again, migraines... Um, from what we know, migraines are more likely to be set off because your visual system has an extra load that is not being able to be handled. Um, it's your it's your brain's way of saying, right, something's quite wrong here. I need to I need to show a sign or a signal that something's happening here. Um, but unfortunately, there is no there's no extra tips or or uh, anything that that that's known of at the moment that can help reduce the onset of migraines or you know manage them better. Um, apart from the general tips I've provided for looking after your visual system. 
Interesting. Um, what about as well um, female health in terms of the impact of uh, going through the menopause? I've heard that that actually can impact eyes and that drop in estrogen. Yeah. So with menopause, um, the, one of the main things is dry eyes. Um, you know, it's it's the fact of the anterior eye that's suffering here, and it's again the less lubrication of the eye, the tear film, and that causes things like um, the itchy, sore eyes, poor vision, red eyes as well, because when your eyes are dry, um, you know, the white part of the eye, the sclera, increases the, the vasodilation, and therefore you see redness of the eyes. Um, and these are all common symptoms that we see with anyone going through menopause. Um, so ways that you can mitigate that is trying to up, increase your uptake of omega-3s um, that can help in the menopausal period um, to, to support dry eyes. So that is one thing that I would definitely recommend. Interesting. Thank you for that. Um, finally, before you go, you mentioned that you've brought something exciting out that's new where people can actually do an eye test from home. Is that available? Is that just in companies, certain companies and organizations you've rolled that out? Or can anyone now test their eyes from home? Yeah, so we we bought, so to give you some background into this, 18 months ago, we started speaking to um, a dozen HR directors and chief of staff at, at various companies. And we found that the adoption rates of eye exams in the UK with these companies were two to 6%, so really low. And with my optometrist hat on, I knew we're all using screens more than ever to work. Um, so if employees are only getting their eyes tested at that small amount, something needs to be done about it. And the main pain points were people didn't like the admin involved, um, with clunky forms they didn't like time and travel and then also they had anxiety of being in a room with a potentially strange optometrist like me for 30 minutes which put them off getting their eyes tested so what we developed was an eye screening tool which anyone can do from their smartphone mobile laptop or monitor and you can check for vision or prescription changes color vision issues contrast sensitivity astigmatism depth perception and astigmatism and what will happen afterwards is you get results which tell you, right, Angela, you know, in your left eye, we've we've noticed a potential risk of astigmatism. You need to now do something about it. Um, and that is available on Ocusure.com. So we have also launched that to the consumer market, but we are increasingly working with employers and benefits providers to get it into supporting employees. Amazing. I love that. It's kind of democratizing eye health, isn't it? People can kind of take it into their own hands instead of look after their eyes themselves and yeah just make it makes it a lot more accessible because I think we're all everyone I guess it's it's so easy to put off the opticians the dentist isn't it all these things are so easy they just kind of get shelled uh or, or push back should we say a bit longer between appointments than they should do yeah definitely and look we're not we're not trying to replace a full eye examination what we want to do is empower uh, people to have the right information to identify there's a problem and then say right we do recommend you to get a full eye examination but take this information with you so the optometrists can have the appropriate initial guidance already and spend more time to provide the help they need for you was well, as you said everyone doesn't have time um, we forget and having something quick like an eye screener like what we've provided can give them information and also a little bit of a kick up the bomb to do something about it amazing Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Where can people find more about you and your products? Um, so they can find us on ocushield.com, which is O-C-U-S-H-I-E-L-D, or you can follow us on socials, which is Get Ocushield. Um, And if anyone wants to reach out to me personally, it's Drubin Patel on Instagram or LinkedIn. I'd be happy to answer any questions. Amazing. Thank you. We'll link to all of that in the show notes. Thanks again uh, for coming on the show. It's been, been a pleasure. 
My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to today's show and for your interest in health optimization for high performance. If you're new to my podcast, you may be interested to know that you can get a free health score and report complete with personalized recommendations on how to optimize your sleep, nutrition, fitness, and resilience in the top link in the show notes below. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Links to everything we talked about are also in the show notes. And if you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe for more.